This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. And you know, the Bible talks about going from glory to glory and from faith to faith. And, you know, as a Christian and as a believer, you know, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you leak. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But, you know, you use it and, uh, like I said, sometimes it kind of leaks out, uh, living in the world and dealing with all the stuff. And so you just need to have those continual feedings of the Word of God. Amen. And that's why we're coming. So we want to welcome all of those that are watching online. Glad you can be with us this evening. And again, too, uh, for you, I hope you got yourself a Bible there someplace where we can get into the perfect, look into the perfect law of liberty and be blessed, praise God, by the promises that our Heavenly Father has made to us. How many of you know that what He says is true? I mean, every word of God, He watches over it to perform it. And if he can find somebody that'll believe it, praise God, he'll move heaven and earth to make it come to pass in their life. And I think I'm in a room full of believers. Amen. So it might as well be us. Glory to God. Just find out what it is he said, what it is he promised. Walk in the light of it. Become a doer of the word. He said, it shall come to pass. You know, I think some people, they get discouraged too soon. You know, they don't see immediate results in their life or whatever. They don't think about all the seed, you know, sometimes not so good seed that's been sown. And, you know, sometimes it takes a little while to get the ship turned around. You know, these big cruise ships, I mean, well, I guess they can, you know, theoretically turn around on a dime. But, I mean, if they don't have thrusters, it takes a while for them to get the ship going in the other direction. And so it's important for us to realize the same thing's true, you know. Some of us, uh, we've managed to dig some pretty deep holes. Now, I'm not saying that God can't instantly thrust you up out of that. But yet, right on the other hand, sometimes we've got to get our minds renewed to the Word of God. We've got to change the way we think. We, st- we have to start doing things the way He would have us to do. And that's why we come. And that's why we, you know, look at the Word of God, study the Word of God, hear the Word of God, uh, so that we can be helped and blessed. Praise God. Aren't you glad tonight that God's not through with you? Amen. I'm sure there are people around you that are glad that he's not through with you. So, you know, hallelujah. If you're not that excited, at least others are. So anyway, let's open our Bibles tonight, if you want to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you can find that uh, opening in your Bibles uh, this evening in the New Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 4. What did I say? Uh, Let's do uh, Corinthians. Was that the first? Yeah, that's the right one. New Testament, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. I'm sure there's some good stuff in Chronicles chapter 4 too, but that's not where we want to go. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's go ahead and pray, bow our heads and pray together and uh, get ready to receive. Father, we love you so much. And Father, we're grateful for this time we have together. And so, Father God, I just want to thank you for opening the eyes of our understanding. I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened by the Holy Spirit so that we can know what is the hope of your calling. I thank you, Lord, for these promises you made to us and the desire you have in your heart to see them come to pass in our lives. So we just thank you for your blessing tonight. We thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to talk to you this evening about how to have the spirit of faith. You know, the Apostle Paul said, not everybody's got faith. But like I said earlier, I think I'm in a room full of them, hallelujah, that do. 
And um, I just want to talk to you about it because it's so important in the days in which we live. It's important for all of our lives to be people of faith. And so um, notice here with me, if you would please, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just one verse I want to read. We may unpack it a little bit further later, later on. But just this 13th verse, it, it, the Apostle Paul, um, well, look at verse 12. He says, so then death works in us, but life in you. And then he says, we having the same spirit of faith. Can you say that with me? Spirit of faith. So notice that he says that we having the spirit of faith. Now, like I said before, and the Apostle Paul says this, not everybody's got faith. And you know, praise God, whenever you find somebody that's full of faith, I mean, it's refreshing. You know, they're, they're, they believe God. Uh, they're excited about, you know, their, their future and the possibilities that are in Christ. They have joy. Hallelujah. They seem to be at peace. And why? It's the result of having the spirit of faith, having faith in God. So again, the Apostle Paul here says, he says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. So he's making reference to a verse of Scripture in Psalm 116, verse 10, where it says, I have spoken, and uh, or I'm sorry, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. So he said, we also believe and therefore speak. So when we start talking about the spirit of faith, really we're talking about what we believe and what we say. And you know, it doesn't take long. You get around a few folk for a while. You can pretty much figure out where they're at. You can locate them as far as what it is they believe and so on and so forth. But he said, we having the same spirit of faith. And I want to I show you what that looks like in some people's lives, and then I want to talk to you about how, how that can be released in our lives as believers. And uh, there's a lot of different ideas about what faith is, a lot of different definitions, you know, and, and uh, that's all well and good. But, you know, the reality is a lot of folk, they talk about faith, you know, they rejoice in it, they get excited, and they even think they have it. But, you know, when it gets right down to where uh, right down to it, well, uh, people often, you know, they come up a little bit short and they really don't have faith. But you can have. I said you sure enough can have. You know, there's a difference between Bible faith and man's kind of faith. And thank God we can have the God kind of faith or the Bible kind of faith. It can, I mean, you can have it strong, praise God. You know, I mean, uh, like I said uh, last Sunday, I mean, you grab a cornstalk, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. I mean, you know, just strong. Glory to God. And he wants us to be strong in faith, doesn't he? Huh? Not weak, you know, not, you know, uh, timid, but really strong in faith. And thank God we sure enough can, and we can be strong. Strong enough that it moves the hand of God. Strong enough, praise God, that it removes the mountains of difficulty and challenge within our lives. And so the, here's the thing, I'll, I'll come back to this a little later, but I want you to capture this in your own hearts, and that is, is that real Bible faith, real Bible faith or the spirit of faith is rooted, rooted in having a genuine relationship with God. That's where it starts, baby. 
I mean, you know, it might be weak, it might be small, it may not have much definition to it, but when you have a relationship with God, that thing can grow, hallelujah, and it can be something ginormous, praise God, that just shakes the world around us, praise God. And so it's important for us to pursue that as our lives are concerned. And so we have a lot of different uh, examples in the Word of God. I mean, you know, if you look in the Old Testament, if you look in the New Testament, there are all these examples of people who had faith. As a matter of fact, we have an entire chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, the whole thing, we call it Faith's Hall of Fame. Hallelujah. And, uh, and so there's different uh, examples that we have every place of people who had faith. But tonight I want to talk to you about a guy named Caleb. Any of you ever heard him? Hallelujah. Or heard of him? You know, in, and I'm just going to, I'm going to, um, well, what you can do is turn to Joshua chapter 14. Um, is that right? Is that what I want you to do? Think about this here. Yeah, jo- uh, Joshua chapter 14. But I'm going to quote something here uh, to help us in our understanding a little bit. You can find Joshua, the 14th chapter. And then, uh, but let me make this, let, let me make or quote this uh, scripture. You can write it down. It's Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24. And this is something that God testified through Moses about Caleb. Hallelujah. I mean, when God starts talking to you about talking about you like this, you can get happy. So you'll notice he says, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit. Now I wonder what kind of spirit he had. Suppose it was the spirit of faith having the spirit of faith. He said, because he had another spirit with him and has uh, wholly or completely followed me fully, him, him, Caleb, I am going to bring into the land uh, whereinto he went and his seed is going to possess it. Now, you know, of the 12 spies that went into the land of Canaan, only 10 of them Uh, Well, actually, 10 of them brought back what is referred to as an evil report. As a matter of fact, as soon as this judgment was all over with, they died. So all there was was Joshua and Caleb. That was it. And I want, again, for you to note something about this man. You can't say, well, you know, he just had some special endowment. You know, God just, you know, liked him better than the rest of the crew or anything like that. Nothing could be further from the truth. The guy had the spirit of faith. The Bible talks about this. God himself refers to the fact that he had another spirit about him. Hallelujah. And we'll take a look and we'll see what it is that that happened. But I want you to look at this with me uh, in Joshua chapter 14 because this is Caleb speaking. Now listen, 45 years later. You know, if God ever speaks to you and gives you a prophecy, man, don't ever let go of it. Because I'm telling you that God spoke to these men and said, you're going in, and they waited 45 years for it. You said, well, I can't do that, man. I mean, you know, I'll be dead by then. Well, you know, my, my point to this is, is that, you know, this guy had another spirit. And when he heard that God said, you're going in, he just praised God, you know, said, all right, I'm in. So notice what he says here. He, uh, now, again, Moses has died. We're way on, way on down the road. We're 45 years Uh, down the road from when these people came out of Egypt and were supposed to 
possessed the land, but because of their unbelief, uh, they all died in the wilderness, that generation at least. And so this is the leftovers. And now Joshua is leading the nation of Israel. He has filled the shoes of Moses, and you know he's discharging the responsibilities of that leadership. And notice with me in chapter 14 of Joshua and verse 6. It says, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, said unto him, unto Joshua, he says, You know the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and you when we were in Kadesh Barea. So what he's doing is he's taking his, you know, partner or, you know, colleague, whatever you want to call him, and he's, he's taking him back to a time when Moses, or actually God through Moses, made promise. And notice he says in verse 7, Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me into Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. Now listen, and I brought him word again as was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon your feet have trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore, or eighty and five years old. Yet, as yet, I am as strong, hallelujah, I love this, this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Listen, this guy's got another spirit about him. Huh? He ain't talking no sad song. He ain't talking about how bad he's got it. He's not talking about his aches and pains. He's talking about something else. Are you listening to me? Notice it goes on. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Now, you got to know that these mountains he's talking about was in Hebron, and that's where the giants were. So he didn't just take a piece, you know, a property here, there, or anywhere, you know, where maybe it was a little, you know, lighter or maybe not quite as difficult. No, uh uh-uh. Praise God. He said, that right there is mine, and I don't care how big they are, because the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Huh? So notice he says, therefore, give me this mountain. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. I tell you, that just blesses me reading it. Um, He says in verse 12 again, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the uh, Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If uh, If so be, the Lord will be with me then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord has said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, uh, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. And guess what? They went in and kicked them all out. Huh? He had another spirit. We having the same spirit of faith. Now, you've got to ask yourself where this guy, I mean, you know, where'd, the, where, where, where'd, where'd this come from? So I want you to turn to Numbers now. Let's back up into the history of these men. Numbers chapter uh, 14. And uh, y'all still with me here? Praise the Lord. 
Notice what it says here. Actually, go back to the 13. Uh, we'll we'll uh, start there. <clears throat> Numbers chapter 13. Now, I want you to notice one thing here that's vitally important, okay? So when it comes to you and I, one of the things that's vitally important is, is we need to know what the Lord says about whatever it is that we're believing Him for, okay? All right? In other words, He said in Jeremiah 30, verse 17, I will restore health unto thee. So that's what God said. That's a promise He's made. He said, I'll take sickness and disease from the midst of you. The number of your days you will fulfill. That's another promise that we have from the Lord. But what's it, it's vitally important, you guys, that you get your head wrapped around this truth. Because the thing about it is, is that it's the exceeding great and precious promises that you and I inherit the kingdom of God when we believe them. So notice with me here in verse 1, the Lord spake to Moses saying, now listen, he said, and you have to understand Moses is the prophet, he's the, he's the mouthpiece. You know, when, when, I mean, God flowed through him and talked to these people. And notice in verse 2, send men that they may search out the land of Canaan. Now, notice this point, which I give to the children of Israel. Of every tribe, father, send a man, so on and so forth. That point right there, you need to circle it. He says, I give it to them. In other words, this is their inheritance. I've taken them out of bondage. It's, it, it's, typify, it's typical or it's a, a type or you could say a shadow or a symbol of how God has brought you and I out of the world. Egypt's a type of the world. And God delivered us out of the world and he placed his spirit within us. And then he said, I want to take you into a land that flows with milk and honey. I came so that you could have life and life more abundant, so that you can enjoy heaven's best here on earth before you go to heaven. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? It's the same thing. And the thing that kept the nation of Israel out of the blessing of God is the same thing that keeps the body of Christ out of the blessing of God. Because if, now here's the thing. In Isaiah chapter 7, it says that if you don't believe, you will not be established. Hold your finger right here and look at that with me. I want you to look at the verse of Scripture with your own beady little eyes. Hallelujah. Look at this verse of Scripture here. Um, Isaiah chapter, chapter uh, 7. The very last part of this, this verse, chapter 7, verse 9, it says, If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. God wants you to be established. There's no one that wants your life to be established and settled and, and rooted and grounded in Him more than your heavenly Father. But guess what? you got to believe what He said. Amen? So He says again, If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. The marginal reference of my Bible says, uh, Do you not yet believe? It is because you are not stable. It's another way of thinking about it or looking at it. But I think at the end of the day, he said, if you don't believe, you won't be established. Now, in another place, if we had time to go there, which we might as well, since this is where I'm going, 
In 2 Chronicles 20.20, when Jehoshaphat was bringing the land of Judah and Jerusalem together to go to war with an alliance of kings that were going to, you know, I mean, basically unravel them. They were no match for this, this alliance that these kings had created, and they're in trouble. But thank God they knew how to pray. How many of you know when you pray, God can change things? And in this, before they went out, and they sent the praisers out before, before they went out, Jehoshaphat ad, um, admonished them with this Second uh, Chronicles 20, 20. It, it, you know, he said, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and so shall you prosper. Well, what would be a 21st century um, you know, equivalent of that. Just that, praise God, if you believe God and what it is he's promised in the New Testament, that you will not only be established, but you will also pro uh, prosper. How many of you believe that? God wants you to do this. You know, we just, we just got to get our head wrapped around what it is that God is wanting to do in our lives. And again, we need to believe it. Now, real quickly, um, you still at Numbers chapter 13? I mean, I ran you all over the place here, but let's go back there. Okay. Because we want to look at we want to look at Caleb. He had another spirit about him. He had the spirit of faith. He believed God, and anybody can have faith. You know, faith is possible because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we're all a candidate to be able to have this kind of faith. Forget about your failures, uh, your faith accidents and everything else that went on in the past, man. Let's just take a look at right here, right now, and what can be as we believe God together. Hallelujah. You know, none of us are perfect. I mean, we've all made mistakes and a lot of things didn't work out, but you know what? We're growing. We're, we're developing. Thank God, hopefully we're learning so that we can be better, glory to God, and that we don't make the mistakes we made in the past. So here, this is when um, they had come back you know, after spying out the land, they brought this, you know, the, the fruit from Ishkol. You know, they had a, I, they ain't no place in the Napa Valley of California or any place else where you got to have a cluster of grapes hauled around by two guys with a pole in between it just to carry it. Woo, talk about a land flowing with milk and honey. They brought it back as a witness that the land was everything that God said it was. This is amazing. Look at this. Huh? But, so they came to give report to Moses, looking in verse 25, if you would please. They returned from searching the land after 40 days. And when they came to Moses, Aaron, to the congregation of Israel, the wilderness of Paran, Kadesh, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, him being Moses, they said, we came from the land where you sent us. Surely it flows with milk and honey. Here's the fruit of it. Nevertheless... And that word right there is turning the whole tide, the whole attitude. The people be strong that dwell in the land. Have you ever had the devil tell you that you're never going to make it and you're no good and you're worthless and things will never change and you'll never get out of this and all of that kind of business? It's, it's the equivalent. It's the very same thing. But see, don't believe the lies of the devil Praise God. Believe the promise. Believe the prophets. Believe in the Lord your God so that he can establish and prosper you. Doesn't make any difference what it looks like. God can change what it looks like if we'll just believe. Everybody say, I'm a believer. 
So notice he says here, nevertheless, the people are strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the south. The Hittites and Jebusites, Amorites dwell in the mountains. Canaanites by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb, he's listening to this. And he all of a sudden just busted out. Huh? Because he knows this whole thing's going sideways right now. Why? Because people are listening to the wrong thing. There's no spirit of faith in this. They said, man, it's everything that God said. It is everything that God said. Yeah, I know that God promised, but, you know, nevertheless. And then all of a sudden they went down this trail. So Caleb, the Bible says, stands up, interrupts the whole thing, and stills the people. You know why? Because when those guys started talking like that, two million and a half people started murmuring about the report. So he's saying, dude, I can see it happening right now. And as a matter of fact, he even testified to it when he was talking to Joshua. He said, my brethren made the heart of our people melt. You got to be careful about what you listen to. You got to be careful about what you accept. Are you with me? Everybody say, I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Don't ever apologize for being strong in the Lord. Somebody comes along, they want to use your, you know, ear or whatever for a garbage can. You just say, no, 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 we are not going there. You have the right to stand up in the name of Jesus and to declare what it is God has promised. But you have to do it. Are you listening to me? So the Bible says here in verse 30 that he stilled the people before Moses. And listen, he didn't, he didn't chime in with these guys. He said, hey, let us go up at once. Well, that's a different tune. Why? Because Caleb had another spirit. He wholly followed the Lord his God. He heard when Moses said, I've given you that land. And so he said, let's go up at once because we are well able. Everybody say, I'm well able. You're not well able in yourself, but you're well able in him. And people say, well, it can't be done. Well, you know, maybe not in my own strength, but thank God the Lord is on my side. He is with me. He is for me. And if I believe him, praise God, he'll bring it to pass. So in this verse of scripture here, as we read, he said, let's go up at once and possess it because we are well able to overcome it. He must have been looking at something else. I'd say he was looking through the eyes of faith. I believe he had the spirit. I know he had the spirit of faith. Amen. He said, God's going to give us this land. Let's get after it. And then, of course, the other 10, they interrupted him, shouted him down. And in verse 31, so there's this argument. The men that went up with him said, we can't do that. We, we're not able to go up against these people. They're stronger than we are. And the Bible says in verse 32, they brought up an evil report, a report of doubt and unbelief of the land which they had searched to the children of, or for the children of Israel. And there's a lot of other things they said, but let's drop down here to verse 6 in chapter 14. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunai, which uh, were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. 
And they spake to all the company of the children of Israel and said, The land that we passed through to search it, it's an exceeding good land. Now listen to this next statement. If the Lord delight in us, that, my friend, is huge. I'll get back to it later. He said, if the Lord delights in us, then he's going to bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear the people of the land. They're bred for us, and their defense has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Don't fear them. They had a good word, didn't they? They were of another spirit, weren't they? Well, guess what? The majority ended up winning out, and they all died. What a sad commentary. Something that God wanted to do in their life, and he couldn't do it because of their unbelief. You know, And, and it's not like God didn't give this, this, this crew a chance. He, he proved himself, what, 10 different things that happened, plagues in Egypt, and then all of the things, 10 more things that he did to keep and sustain them while they were in the wilderness on their journey. He said, that's it, man. I'm done. He said, I'm going to judge you right out of your own mouth, and you are going to die in this wilderness just like you've said. You know, because they kept saying, well, would to God, what are we doing? You know, when you hear that all the time, people, you know, they got, they're a bunch of negatrons, and they don't believe God. They, they're just looking at their circumstance and bleh. Well, thank God we don't have to look at our circumstance. We can look to the God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who loved us enough to send his son and give him as a ransom for us so that, thank God, we can have all that God has promised. Hallelujah. So it's important for us to understand these truths. So the first thing, as I mentioned earlier, to understand that real Bible faith is rooted in having a genuine, everybody say genuine, a personal, authentic relationship with God. And these men had it. They believed God. And God brought them into the land that he promised. You know, and, and the thing you have to realize is, is that when it comes to having a relationship with God, the way I come to know him is by or through what the Bible says. He's invisible. I can't see him, you know. But all I can do is take what it is that is written in that book, and I can make it my own. I have to believe that book. Are you listening to me? Because the Bible, you know, it's, uh, it, he's everything that he says he is in this book. Are you with me? So if I want to have a relationship with him, then I have to get into the book and let the book get in me. And all of a sudden, I begin to realize who my God is, his nature, his character, that he cares about me, that he's for me. You know, when I was a kid growing up, man, I was a sinner, and I knew it. And I always thought that God had a big old gavel band, he was just waiting, you know, for the next time I screwed up, so wham, I could, I could have it. And they, you know, in the church I li or lived in, grew up in, they taught me, memorized, I had to memorize John 3.16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. I wish they had told me the next verse. Because verse 17 says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. Dude, every sinner, I mean, they, they, you don't have to worry about it. They're condemned. Because we're all guilty before God. Are you with me? But he didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Nobody ever talked to me about getting saved. Okay? 
I grew up in a mainline denominational church, and no one ever talked to me about salvation. Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm, I was ever conscious of. They talked to me about memorization, you know, memorize this, memorize the 23rd Psalm, memorize, you know, John 3.16, you know, things of that nature. Uh, and, but I was never told that I had to receive Christ as my Savior and to accept Him as, you know, uh, my Lord and Savior. And I don't have time to get on all that, but I think you understand that. I was told to memorize Bible verses, learn, learn the creeds of the church, you know, go through the ceremony of being baptized, become a member of the church through confirmation, and you're good. So as a 13-year-old kid, I would have thought that I was good. But you know what? I wasn't good because I didn't have a relationship with him. I just went through all these deals. Not to mention the fact they ruined every Saturday morning you know, with three hours of stuff for a long time. Yuck. Are you with me? But I didn't know him. I mean, the most fundamental, the most important, the most, I mean, foundational thing in all the Bible, when Jesus told Nicodemus, you have to be born again, that was never, ever told to me. Okay? Now, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying that's where, you know, that's where I was. That's, that's the way I grew up. But the thing about it is, you guys, if I hadn't come to know Jesus, I'd have went to hell. Are you listening to me? So thank God somebody came along and told me the truth. They, they pitched me the gospel. They, they told me that, about this Jesus. You know, well, I, I knew Jesus mentally, but that he had paid the price for my sin and that I could call on him and be saved and that I needed a Savior. Well, I already knew that. I just didn't want to admit it. Do you know that everybody knows it? They just don't want to admit it? Huh? Whoo! Hallelujah. It wasn't until somebody communicated and showed me the truth that I uh, would, could or would have a heartfelt encounter with God and that he would change my life. You talk about rocking somebody's world. Man, dude, when I gave my heart to Jesus, man, I mean he changed my world. So much so, the next day, I prayed this prayer on the way home. The next day, I called the closest friend that was a Christian that I knew of, and I said, dude, you got to tell me what happened. He goes, well, what do you mean? And I explained my story about, you know, basically praying the prayer of repentance and asking Jesus to come into my heart. He says, well, you've been born again. I said, born what? He said, born again. Well, I didn't know nothing about that, so I, I start. And here's the thing, you guys. The whole thing about it is, is I, when I awakened, the sense of guilt and shame for sin was gone. And I'm telling you, dude, it freaked me out because I was free. And not only that, but I didn't want to do all that stuff anymore. That's not normal for Mikey. Are you listening to me? Something had happened. I had been changed from the inside out. Hallelujah. Thank God forevermore. Amen. So the supernatural experience of the new birth, I mean, you guys, it was so powerful. And it was so life-changing. You know, and, and because of that, man, I could not deny him. This had to be God. 
And I didn't know that much about him. I didn't know that much about Jesus. But I'm telling you what, this was real. And it gave form and shape to the rest of my life. Thank God. And my whole, tr- I mean, you know, <laughs> life and peace like I'd never had it before. I didn't know anything about this. I thought, man, this is awesome. And so I thought everybody else would want it too. Uh, not so much. But I still told them. I'll tell you what I still told them. I was a new man. Hallelujah. And you and I, uh, I mean, I'm sure that you can, t- you know, maybe you grew up saved. Some of you probably saved all your life, you know, a little child, you made a decision. But I'm telling you what, when you come out of sin and into the kingdom, baby, uh, there's a stark difference. Are you listening to me? And, and the reality of that, again, it, it not only gave shape and form to the rest of my life, but it, it moved me forward because I never felt anything like that before, that God loved me unconditionally. And that I didn't have to perform, I didn't have to do anything, but it was by grace through faith that he saved me and gave me his life so that I could live. I mean, it was, it's incredible. And not only that, but the fact that he loved me. I'm telling you guys, it wrecked me. I, I, you know, because I couldn't imagine God loving me the way that he did so unconditionally with the way I was. But that's exactly what Jesus did, is he loved the world that he was willing to lay down his life in all of the filth and the mess and the corruption and everything for everyone so that they could be saved. And so whosoever will call upon his name can and will be saved. But if you don't, you will be condemned. And the judgment will be because God did something about your mess and you said no. That's the mess. Hallelujah. I don't know how come me to get off on all that. I did have some notes along those lines, but it's good anyway. Amen. Hallelujah. And here's the thing you need to understand. The whole transformational change that happened in my life is because somebody, I heard the gospel and I chose to accept it. Took a little while, but it got through to me. Are you with me? I hadn't heard that. I heard the forms or the formulas and the whatever and whatever. But guess what? There ain't no life in that. There ain't no power to change you from the inside out. But thank God there is with Jesus. Are you listening to me? Glory to God. So it came as a result of hearing the truth of God's word and accepting it. Hearing the salvation message, it created faith in me and I acted on it. I responded. I said, God, if you're out there, and that don't sound like much faith because it's not. But I said, God, if you're out there, I want you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. He said, well, I'm out here, so here I come. You know? The Bible says, he that has my commandments and keeps him, he loves me. And he that loves me will be loved of my Father. And I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. That's what he did. Okay? Verse 23, Jesus is talking, if a man love me, he'll keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and we will make our home in him. That's what Jesus did. So, I was done, man. I'm going to have to become a follower of him. And because he changed me from the inside out, I began to know the reality of how much he loved me. 
That's the thing, you guys. I mean, you talk about all the stuff you want, but I'm telling you what, when you get a revelation of God loving you, dude, it, it, it will just destroy you in a good way because he does. The world knows nothing about the love of God. But I tell you what, the Spirit of God in a man or a woman can change the world because of the love of God that is in them. Hallelujah. And, and again, it's because of this unconditional love. I mean, like I said, I, I was not a good person. But he loved me anyway. And that's what wrecked me, that somebody would do that, you know. And, and, um, and as a result, and, you know, and forgive everything. Everything. Forgive it all. And you know what? I ain't never forgot that. And I'm not going to. Some people have. They've forgotten where they come from. They've forgotten what it is he's done for them. They've gotten hard-hearted. You know, they've had failures in their life. They've become offended. They've allowed unforgiveness to get, you know, lay up in their heart and different things like that. And the love of God has grown cold in them. But the Bible says his love has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So you can be as messed up as anybody could be, even as a believer. And there is redemption and forgiveness and healing for you if you'll just come to him. Are you listening to me? You don't have to live outside the, the blessing of God. I mean, praise God. Don't get to heaven and, and miss what it is that God did for you and how much he loved you. Are you with me? Yeah, we make mistakes. Yes, we screw up. Man, I, I screwed up plenty. I made some huge bonehead mistakes. Wow. I didn't even want to think about that. It freaks me out just thinking about it. But, And here's the thing, and you guys know this. If you're born of the Spirit of God, you know, because I come to realize how much he loved me, I couldn't walk away. When, they, when, when Joan gave her heart to the Lord and we were dating, uh, they told her, they said, well, he'll probably never change, so you need to dump him, get rid of him. And I can remember being, where is that place out there, Colorado? Estes Park in a parking lot at a YMCA camp. And she says, you know, Mike, I really love you, but I love Jesus more. And I've given my heart and my life to him and I'm going to follow him. So we're done. You know, and, and that's what love will do. I mean, it will move you in a direction and it doesn't make any difference. When we started this church and all hell broke loose because it wasn't socially acceptable, it was the love of God that kept us marching. Did you hear me? Because of all the ridicule and all of the hassles and all of the rejection and all of the other things that you want to describe that could happen to someone, we experienced it, but we could not deny who he was. And, it moved, and listen, you guys, in your personal lives, the same thing is true. I never ever imagined that we'd get to a place where brothers and sisters would come against one another and moms and dads and sisters, you know, kids, we're there. Are you with me? And we're all having to face decisions that we never thought we were going to ever face. But I tell you what, praise God, though none go with me, still I am going to follow and so are you. I ain't going to hell. I don't love them that much to go with them. Are you with me? You say, well, that's, that's not love. Yeah, it is. Love holds the standard up 
and says, you know, if you want to act like a clown, that's your choice. But I'm telling you what, I'm going to live for God and I'm going to serve him all the days of my life. Are you with me? If you criticize me because I love Jesus, if you criticize me because I speak with other tongues, if you want to criticize me because I'm quote-unquote a fanatic for Jesus, then so be it. You want to throw me in jail, then do that. They're doing that in Canada already. You know? So, you say, well, that's kind of spooky, isn't it? Not if you know him. Praise God, he'll make a way where there is no way. Ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Huh? He said, if you bow down, dude, we'll, we'll, we'll let this slide. And they go, nah, uh, we've already decided. We ain't going to do that. Why? Because our God will deliver us. And then they went on and even said more. Say, see, the spirit of faith says, my God is able. He'll see me through. And they went, went so far as to even say, even if he doesn't, but he's going to, we're not going to do this. We're not going to bow down. And guess what? Jesus jumped in the fire with them. Hallelujah. And a lot of things changed as a result of that. Aren't you glad for that? Can you believe it's 8.03 already? I want to read this story to you. And, and, and it, I, I, I don't know. Hopefully it, it does what I think it's supposed to. But I want you, I want you to read 1 John, you know, as, as a, uh, an assignment. You can read the Gospel of John. You need to be reminded how much he loves you. Because a lot of people have forgotten. We do some, like I said, some stupid things, you know. But there's forgiveness with him. And, and you know, he loved you enough when you were a mess to give his life for you so that when you called upon him, you could be saved. You think he's going to let you go now? because you screwed up, or you're not doing right, you're not living right, or you, you know, whatever, whatever, or you're weak about something, or, no, a thousand times no. So, a friend of mine, uh, Scott Webb, wrote this book, Faith, Catch It, and in this, he talks about, I want to use this illustration here, and he uses it as an illustration of love. He said, uh, we can see this kind of unconditional love and loyalty demonstrated in our pets, how many of you have pets? Huh? Okay, not so much cats, maybe dog. But anyway, he said, I'm a soft touch when it comes to animals. We live on an acreage, and we have six or seven dogs. All right, he is a, uh, he is a soft touch. Two of them are strays, just, you know, walk-ups. And they were in bad shape when we gathered them in. I took them to the vet, got them all fixed up, cleaned up, and then, uh, and then moved them into dog paradise where we live. And he said, one of the dogs used to uh, sleep under a bridge, and, and that's where I found him. Now he's got his own little bridge over a stream that goes down into our pond. He is now a bridge owner, and he knows it. Okay. That he says, that dog is the smartest of all dogs. The ones that were store-bought and have been raised in a lifestyle of luxury are likely to go anywhere and do anything. They could be in the street, across the road, off exploring for a while, and then come back. But the dog I found under the bridge stays close to home. From the day I opened the passenger door of my pickup truck and he jumped in and laid his chin or his yeah his chin on my knee he's hardly left my side 
He said, I see him watching those other dogs running in different directions, and he'll look up at me and go, uh-huh, not me. I know where... Uh, I've, uh, I, I know where I've got it good. I know where my bread is, you know, my bread is buttered. He says, I've been there, I've done that, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm sticking close to you. And that dog has been out there in the world. He knows what it is to do without. He knows what it means to be lost, homeless, living in poverty, hunger, hungry, and, and loneliness. And he prefers the blessing and prosperity he has with me. If I'm on this property, his eyes are always on me or he's right beside me. His devotion is an illustration of believers who stay in close communion with the Lord at all times because they know that there is nothing better than Jesus. He is the source and the willing giver of everything they need or desire in life. They know he takes pleasure in blessing them. He says, then we have this other stray dog named Peanut. I'm about done here. My daughter actually had to lure her in. She slept in the woods across the street, and we started leaving food out for her, and she would eat the food, but she never could get, you could never get close to her. Finally, one day, she came close enough for us to touch her, and after she warmed up to us a little, we took her to the vet. The vet cleaned her up, got her healthy, and then uh, we took her to live with us. Well, it was soon became obvious that Peanut had been abused. And although she had been a part of the web zoo for several years now, she still can't stand much attention. If you reach out uh, to touch her, she will immediately cower like she thinks you're going to hit her. Knowing how she is and that she uh, needs tender, loving care, I've, I've never, ever raised my voice to her, but she still cowers. So one day I was walking up the front uh, door when Peanut was lying on the porch, and I said, Hello, Peanut. And I reached down to scratch her behind the ears. As always, she drew back when, when I reached out to her, and I looked at her and I said, Peanut, I don't know what else I can do to convince you uh, it's okay. I wish you'd just go ahead and act like you belong here. Maybe you're like that. You know, something happened, you know, whatever, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, you question the love of God, you question how much he cares about you. Well, man, don't be like Peanut. Be like the one that was under the bridge and get all in, praise God, and, and enjoy everything. You know, you have to remember, you guys, what it is that he redeemed you from. And a lot of times, you know, the thing that trips people up and causes them to stumble is, like I said, we, we, we're fallible and we make mistakes. But God's love doesn't change. It doesn't change because you screwed up, you know. And, and I know there are Christians, you know, that maybe aren't living for God. And certainly God's not pleased with them, but he does not love them any less. Are you listening to me? And so we let the devil, you know, get in our lives because of these different failings or whatever, you know, uh, offenses, stuff that happens. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's condemning us. You loser, stinking loser. You know, Jesus gave his life for you and look how you live. Or, you know, who knows? I don't know how he beats people up. Well, I do because I've been there. But you know, whenever you hear that, you got to come back to the fact, praise God, that he loved you unconditionally. We love him because he first loved us. 
Are you listening to me? And that love is in you. So I tell you what, as you move forward, you know, and, and, and uh, uh, digest some of these things about having the same spirit of faith. Now, here's my closing point. Remember when Caleb stood up and stilled them? He said, let's go and get them. We're well able. And listen to what he said. If the Lord delights in us. And you know what? Caleb believed that the Lord delighted in him. And that's, that was the impetus for him to be able to have the spirit of faith. Are you with me? It's no different. You know, if the Lord delights in us, well, does the Lord delight in you? You better more than you even know. So don't ever let the devil lie to you one more day about how much God cares about you. He just takes you like you are, man. He's the potter, we're the clay, and he'll work the thing out. Let's stand, everybody. Hallelujah. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done, the price that you paid, the willingness, Father, that you had in your heart not only to give your son and Jesus' willingness to give his life. And Father God, greater love has no one than that. And Father, I ask you to help each and every one of us to know of your care and your love and the desire that you have. Father, if there are those that are here tonight and even watching online that have just been beat up by condemnation and guilt and fear, Lord, let this be the last night that they ever have to experience such a thing again. I thank you, Lord, for speaking to men and women right now. Oh, touching their hearts, Father, helping them to know how much you care for them and how much you love them. And Father, as we come to you this evening, Father, I just want to thank you for renewing, hallelujah, a right spirit in every one of us to see as you see glory to God, to love as you love. I want you to pray this prayer with me, church. Those of you online, you can pray it as well. Say this with me, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight and I give you everything. I give you my all, all of my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. Forgive me, Lord, for my shortcomings and my sin, and restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Thank you, Lord, for loving me the way you do without any pretense. And I thank you, Lord God, for your grace in my life. In Jesus' name. Ah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Just lift one hand up toward heaven and just thank him a little bit. Will you with me? Father, we love you. Thank you tonight. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for ministering to men and women's hearts, Father. Thank you for bringing them out, setting the captive free, turning their captivity. Glory to God. Helping them to believe again. Glory to God. To trust again. To risk again. To say yes again. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in their hearts. Father, I ask you to strengthen them in the challenges they face. Help them to see, Father God, that you are the one, glory to God, that's greater than anything, that you're on their side, that you are for them, that you will make a way. 
And help them, Father God, to believe again. Glory to God. Fresh faith. Hallelujah. Fresh faith from heaven. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing in every life. Every, every person that watches this or is here tonight, I want to thank you, Father God, for faith to rise within their hearts about your possibilities. Hallelujah. We rejoice in you, Lord. Praise, 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 praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Well, Father, guide us in our giving this evening. We thank you, Lord God, for such a privilege. And Father God, I thank you that as we give, it'll be given back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Glory to God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right, you may be seated. We're going to go ahead and receive our evening offering.